Fantastic. So, like Elena said, my name is Todd. My friends call me T-Lesh, so feel free to join the party, and it'll be great. You can just yell my name, and I'll yell something back to you, and we'll be instantaneous best friends. So, I was in middle school, let me see here, in 1995, maybe 1994, and the only thing that has stayed the same from now and then is the age. Cafeteria, I love that. They served Taco Bell and Pizza Hut at my school for when I was in middle school. Yes. And as a middle schooler, since we're going to go down this route, my favorite thing to order from Taco Bell was the bean burrito, which made me the envy of all people, if you get my drift. Thank you. So we are starting a series called Made. And I wish I could say it was just all about building things, but it's not. So all the Lego fans, we'll talk about Legos in a little bit, but it has nothing to do with Made. But this is a series about sex. Yes, it did exactly what I expected it to do. <laughs> Why am I here tonight? <laughs> so yes, we are going to talk about sex. And so you all can relax. How about we all take a deep breath on the count of three? One, two, three. And I know that you all are here because you are some of the most mature people in Union County. It's why you come to advance. But here's the thing that I want to say as we get this talk started tonight is you, are, you all made a good decision to be here because you know this, and whether you're in sixth grade or you're in eighth grade, people are going to talk about sex. It, whether it's on TV or it's on social media or it's a friend at school or maybe even the bold parents out there are like, son, sit down, we've got to have a talk. You know, they're going to talk about it, you're going to hear about it, there's going to be a commercial on during the Super Bowl that is going to revolve around the topic of sex. And so people are going to talk about it, but here's the thing, the church, which you are at, you are at a church right now, this is a youth group, and so we come together to talk about what God has to say about things that we deal with in our daily lives. And this is one thing that I love about the Bible is the Bible was written thousands of years ago, and we still have it today, and we can still apply what the Bible said thousands of years ago to right now, right here, right now. We just have to figure out what it means for us today. And I think if you, whether or not you are a follower of Jesus or you're just kind of checking this thing out or mom brings you to youth group because it's good for you, God's way is the best way to live. It is not always the easiest way to live, but it is the best way to live. So when it comes to the topic of sex, where we're going to start is with five points. And if you fall asleep or you get bored or this is too uncomfortable for you to concentrate, five things real quick. Number one is God made sex. Number two, he said it was very good. Number three, sex exists for people to have babies. That's how you're all here. Number four, number four, God gave us sex so a husband and wife, it's one way a husband and wife can show love to each other. And number five, you all can wait until you're married. That is a message you will not hear. You all can wait until you're married. 
So that's where we're going to start. I'm going to leave that right there, and we're going to talk about one of my new favorite video games, Ultimate Chicken Horse. Any Ultimate Chicken Horse fans? Okay. So if you're not familiar with Ultimate Chicken Horse, it's basically Fortnite with animals. Not really, but you can play it on PS4. I think you can play it on Xbox One and the Switch. But here is the preview of Ultimate Chicken Horse. Check it out. This is a game designed by two best friends, a horse and a chicken. The rules are simple. Get to the flag. If you can do it, but your friends can't, you get a point. However, the real fun and challenge is built by the players, as everyone takes turns adding new pieces to the level. You must work together to make the level possible, but also against each other to make it hard. You need to set up traps and hazards to screw with your opponents, but avoid them so you don't screw yourself. It's a fine balance between being an awesome level designer and being a huge jerk. This game combines the reckless thrill of cars barreling towards each other in a game of chicken with the smug satisfaction of beating your friends in a round of horse. Add in a dash of intense video game platforming and the engineering prowess of a Rube Goldberg machine, and you've just become addicted to the game Ultimate Chicken Horse. <laughs> Alright, Tanner, you can go to the next slide. So that is Ultimate Chicken Horse. The game is so simple. You play online or you play with friends, you get your controllers and you control these adorable animals to their success or to their death. And that is how you play it. But as you know, if you play video games, whether it's on your phone or it's at home, you play with some form of controller and you control what is on the screen. It might move without you, but that's just because the game screen is moving so it doesn't seal onto your TV screen. But you have to control the characters, and you all know how it works. It's one reason that you love video games, because you have control over something. But to switch gears and apply it to our lives, I don't think there's someone up there with you know, a remote control playing video games with our lives, but there is something that will control your life throughout the course of your life. And it might be a number of different things during the course of your life, but something is going to control your life. And it might be Ultimate Chicken Horse. It might be Fortnite. It might be some video game. Video game has been controlling people's lives since Atari came out with Pong. But it has been around and controlling people's lives. But it might be video games. It might be money. If you get a job, you're like, I love this green stuff. But if you're not into the green stuff, you might have Bitcoin, and you might be going crazy about that. There's a documentary about it. You can watch it later. But anyways, it might be money. It might be some relationship that you're in. It might be sports. It might be grades. It might be comparing yourself to others controls you. And yes, it might be sex or hooking up or fooling around or whatever you want to call it. But something is going to control your life. And I believe, and the people at Advance in this church believe, that your life was to be controlled by Jesus. That is what your life was to be controlled by, by a person, a person who came to this earth, God in human form, lived a perfect life, and died the death we deserved, and then rose from the dead. For anything that you let control your life, you just have to ask one question as you go through this life. Did that thing die for me. 
And the answer is probably no. So do you want to let something that's flawed and broken have control of your life? Or do you want to let the only person who was perfect and sinless have control of your life? Because they probably have a really good plan for your life. So we've said that God made sex. But here's the thing about anything that God created. God never meant for anything that he created to control your life. God never meant for anything he created to control your life. He created you so that you could have a relationship with him, and he could show you the way to live. Shout out to Alex Kunar's devotion in the time of worship. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, a.k.a. let God have control of your life, and he'll show you the best way to go. So when it comes to the topic of sex, either sex is going to control your life and it's going to tell you to do what feels good and it's going to tell you how to treat people, or you're going to let Jesus have control of your life and you'll let him tell you what to do with sex and how to treat people. But something is going to have control over your life. The question is, who are you going to listen to? Because there's a lot of messages out there when it comes to sex and sexuality and interacting with the same sex and the opposite sex. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to what movies say, what music sings about, TV shows, what's on social media, what your friends are doing, what your friends are saying, what the popular people are doing, or maybe what your family has done in the past? Because everybody has a message about what to do and how to treat people. And we believe God's message is so much better than any other message we might hear from those around us. So I'd like to present three of God's messages to you when it comes to the topic of sex. And two of the three have nothing to do with sex. You can take a breather for a moment. The first message comes from the very first book of the Bible the book of Genesis, and actually the first chapter of the book of the Bible. Genesis is basically the origin story of the universe and of God's people, who are known as the Hebrews or the Israelites. And in the first two chapters, if you've been going to Sunday morning church here, you've heard our pastor David Chadwick talk about the story of God. And at the very beginning is creation, how things came from nothing into something. And God created the earth and the planets and the sun and the solar system and the galaxies in our universe. And he created us. And he created us last because I think God saved the best for last. And when he created us, he said something significant. And it's right here in Genesis 1.27. It will be up on the screen. It says, so God created human beings, you and me, in his own image in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So plain and simple, God created us, and we matter to God. God created you, and you matter to God. God created guys, and God created girls, and God said they both were good. He did not say guys are better than girls, girls are less than the guys. No, he said both. Male and female, guys and girls, are created in the image of God. So, when it comes to how you talk about other people, how you view people, especially in this group, there is no place for ridiculing 
the same sex or the opposite sex. This does not belong here. Because we believe messages like this, that you are created in the image of God. And it's not just what we say to each other, but how we treat one another. The next message we'll read comes from a king, and this was King David. He was one of Israel's kings. He was also a poet, which was probably a rapper in those days. But he actually wrote down a lot of his poems that were collected in one of the books of the Bible called Psalms. And if you have a Bible and you open it right into the middle, you'll fall right into the middle of David's songbook. And he would write about any and every emotion that he had. He would write worship, and then he would write these incredible poems of doubt. Like, where are you, God? Why do you let these things happen in my life? If you ever feel like that, you know what the people of the Bible were going through too. And he wrote this incredible psalm, Psalm 139, to talk about how God created us so magnificently. It'll be up here on the screen. It says, oh, yes, God, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, most high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I can't even say that. I am marvelously made. That's like a Valentine's card. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. I love that line. I worship in adoration. What a creation. So David, he's like looking at his hands. He's like, whoa, it's incredible. Look at these. I think he played a form of the guitar called the lyre, but that was an instrument, not a practice. But he, he probably looked at himself and thought, I mean, this is amazing. I don't know if he was more hairy than I was, but when I look at my arm, I'm like, yikes. But well, I'm wearing long sleeves. But he, David, when he looked at people, he had to go, people are amazing. And so the idea that David wanted to get across to remember himself and for us to remember was that we are not random objects. We are amazing. That's what he's saying. I am marvelously made. And that may be something that you need to tell yourself every single day in the mirror. If you question your identity and your worth, when you are standing in front of your mirror before school, all you have to say is that person right there in the mirror, you are marvelously made. Because God thinks so. And he was glad to put his image in your life for who you are. So when it comes to how you view yourself and how you treat others, it makes me think of Christmas morning. So let's go back about a month. Let's set the tone here. That's right. Perfect. Thank you, Tanner. So Christmas morning, Santa has delivered the presents under the tree. But when it comes to presents, there is a how, a when, and a why. And you may be like me. Somehow, Christmas morning, my body just knew, wake up at 2.30. Just check. Did Santa make the delivery? As usual, he did. And I would sit in my living room, and I would just stare at the presents. Like, these are amazing. I have got to open these. But you know how it goes, and maybe you have opened presents early. But you know how it goes. There is a when to open presents, and that's when everybody wakes up. There is a how to open presents, 
Some of you rip them apart. Some of you open them very delicately. Some of you keep the wrapping paper. Way to go, save the planet. But some of you are, are in a family where everybody can open all the presents at one time. And then some of you, one at a time. So everybody can enjoy what they received. But it's not just how you open the presents, but it's what you do with the present. So you wait till the right time, and then what you do with the present indicates really how you feel about the present. Because you don't pick up a present and go, eh, no thanks, move on to the next one. You don't do that. Now, you might not be happy with the present you got. You're like, I think I broke whatever was in here. But you may shake it and go, that's definitely Legos. I told you there would be Legos. But you don't get a present and you're like, ah, I don't really want this one this time. Thank you. If only I were a football player. You don't kick it. You don't body slam it. You don't flush it down the toilet. Because there is a way to treat a present when you receive it. Even if your grandmother gave you one of the iconic sweaters and you're like, thanks. I don't know what to do with this. There is a way to treat the present that you receive. And there is a why. And the why is because of who gave it to you. Now, it might be in honor of Santa Claus, or it might be for your grandmother who gave you the gift. But if we talk about Christmas presents, when we're talking about sex, the when, how, and why all apply the same. When. Sex was created for marriage. That's the when. How you treat sex Reply, applies to the when. And then why do you wait until you're married is because of the one who has given you the gift. Is to go, I honor the one who has given me this gift and I honor the one who I partake in the gift with. It is about, sex is not about a physical activity. It is about honoring one another. So if you're not ready to have the sex conversation in your life group, you need to have the treat other people conversation in your life group. Because all that we do is about honoring those around us. We honor people relationally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, physically. Life is about honoring one another. And the final message that we have comes from the mouth of Jesus when he was giving one of his most famous sermons in the world. And he talks about every single topic there is. And so we're going to put this up on the screen. I'm going to read this one because I can't see that one. So this is Jesus talking. He says, Jesus went on to say, you know what God's rule says. You must not have sex with anyone who is not your husband or your wife. But what I tell you is this. A man may look at a woman who is not his wife, and he may want to have sex with her. I tell you that this man has also done a wrong thing. It is the same as if he really had sex with her in his thoughts. And so this all puts us in the same category. Because how we view people is almost as if we have done something to people. Jesus talked about the same thing with anger. You may not have lust towards someone sexually, but you may hate someone 
you don't even have to murder them because you've already done it in your heart. So Jesus is saying sex is so much bigger than a physical act. It is about honoring people with your thoughts and your actions. The same goes when it comes to gossip and it comes to anger and it comes to racism and it comes to prejudice and it comes to sex. At the end of the day, it is about honoring one another. Jesus wanted us to treat people better. And especially if you follow Jesus, the way of Jesus is the better, is treating people better way of life. So to wrap this up here, we're going to start back where we began. And that's with the idea of control. So I'm going to ask Tanner to turn the lights off here. When it comes to control, there is going to be something that has control over your life. The question you need to ask is, will it make you better at life, or will it make things out of control? And so to review what we've talked about, God has a message for us that we are created in his image. We matter to God. You can treat people as priceless or pointless. Let's see if this goes out here. I'll just light another one. Sapphire, there we go. But when it comes to sex, sex is a good thing created by God. And there is a way to use it. There is a when to use it, and there is a why to use it. If you have a fire pit at home, or you go camping and you use a fireplace, or something like that, you know fire in a fire pit is incredible. But you know what happens when fire goes out of the fire pit or the fireplace. It is uncontrollable. It is out of control. So what are you going to let control your life? And will it lead to a better way of living and a better way of treating others? Will what controls you cause you to honor or dishonor those around you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message that you have created us. Everyone in this room was on God's mind before they were on this earth. I pray that they would receive this and it would shape their identity, their worth, their value, and how they see others and how they treat others. Please. I pray that they would have an honest conversation with themselves and with those around them about what they're going to do with their sexuality. If they're going to let God have his say, or if they're going to let it control their lives. I pray that this group would trust you and trust that your way is best. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.